The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, November 10th. I'm Terry Arango with my guests, New Jersey and national advocate Louise Habakis, who was just instrumental in the win of New Jersey Governor-elect Chris Christie, and New York attorney and professor Mary Holland. We also hope to be joined later by New York advocate Heather Walker. Our topic today Parental Rights for Children's Health, Positive Directions in Political Advocacy. Ladies, thank you for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Terry. Thank you. Well, let's start with Louise. Uh, Louise, you live in New Jersey, correct? Why is there so much emphasis on that state lately? What is the situation like in New Jersey insofar as autism and then insofar as vaccine mandates? You know, Terry, New Jersey is really what I call ground zero for Um, mandatory vaccinations in our country. We are the state with the highest number of vaccine mandates um, that are required for daycare, preschool, and school admission. And we also have another distinction. We are what I call the autism capital of the world. Um, we We have the highest documented incidence of autism in the country. And, you know, I believe that there's so much emphasis on this state because a lot of people believe that as, go New, as goes New Jersey, so goes the rest of the nation. Um, when uh, New Jersey made the very controversial and eye-opening decision to mandate four new vaccines and really add on, layer on, yet four more, um, really solidifying our status as the number one vaccination uh, state in the country, um, Parents were angry. They were very angry, particularly since the flu shot is something that I think has, um, and now we know this nationwide thanks to the swine flu pandemic, but um, you know, a lot of people are not comfortable with the flu vaccine. So I think that uh, last year in New Jersey, this year um, across the country, I think that people are understanding that what's happening in New Jersey may be a bellwether for what comes in the rest of the nation. And um, what are the vaccine requirements like in New Jersey as uh, compared with the rest of the the next, say, the next state in line? Yeah, you know, it's it's not even just a little bit more than the next state in line. It's a lot more. Um, The next state in line is Texas, um, and New Jersey requires 36% more doses. So we have 45 doses of 14 different vaccines, and. you know that's that's a that's significantly more shots. But here's the real um, here's the real issue or the crux of the issue to my mind. 
Um, New Jersey is fighting very hard for the philosophical or personal belief exemption to mandatory vaccines. Uh, we are one of 32 states that does not enjoy this privilege. So there are 18 states in this country. Texas is one of them. And so not only do we hold the number one spot for mandated shots, but we don't give New Jerseyans choice. And so when our children get ready to go to daycare, preschool, and school, and parents are faced with these 45 doses of four different, 14 different vaccines, they're thinking, I have to get these shots. You know, and most people don't understand that there is an exemption called the religious exemption, which perhaps we might talk about later. Louise, um, you were mentioning 45 doses of 14 different vaccines, and some listeners might not understand, be, uh, have ever become familiar with the distinction between uh, shots and vaccines. What's in that needle? That's that's a that's a good point because sometimes people count things differently. The way I count is I will take a combination vaccine such as DTP or MMR, and that you may stick a child once with one syringe, but it contains one dose each of three different vaccines or three different diseases. So in the case of MMR, um, you have one combination MMR vaccine. Three doses, uh, three doses of three different vaccines. And um, are shots like Prevnar, pneumococcal, is, is that, would that be considered combination? No, Prevnar and pneumococcal, even though they contain different serotypes, they are for um, you know uh, pneumococcal disease. Um, so it, it, it is counted as one dose of one vaccine. Um, technically, if we were counting antigenic material, then we could we could increase that that uh, that number. Um, but uh, what I want people to understand is combination vaccines may be created for uh, the convenience of the parent who doesn't want to stick the child more than once, but. Uh, for all in practical purposes, when a child gets a combination vaccine, um, she's still getting, um, you know, doses from different uh, for, uh, vaccines for different diseases. Yeah, I always found it to be a cruel irony when I would read anything in the news about how it was more convenient to only have to stick your child once with combination vaccines. They wouldn't cry as often, but you know, then you have children who are crying for a good portion of the rest of their lives because they become afflicted with childhood illnesses well, uh, and disorders. That, that's right, Terry. In fact, uh, these combination vaccines have been proven to be more reactogenic, and in some cases they've had to be pulled from the market because they've injured too many children. Mm -hmm. Now, Louise, you alluded to um, something that happened under Governor Corzine's watch with the four additional mandated shots, including... Uh, that highly controversial seasonal flu vaccine. Tell us what happened at the rally at the State House in Trenton last October 2008. Terry, we had an extraordinary event in, in Trenton, and uh, there had been a tremendous amount of on-the-ground work that had happened prior to that event. Um, but the culmination was that over 700 participants gathered on the steps of the State House in Trenton to send the strongest message, not only to our Governor Corzine, but to the legislators in uh, the, the, uh, the House and the Senate, that New Jerseyans are demanding vaccination choice. And this was the first freedom of choice rally 
in the entire country as relates to mandatory vaccinations. We had over three dozen extraordinary speakers, and um, you know we had national names there, and we had uh, you know what I call everyday heroes, and these are people who, in the nature of the work that they do professionally and otherwise, they communicated, they they bore witness and delivered testimony as to how forced vaccinations um, have affected them and essentially uh, explained why they are fighting for vaccination choice. And even though this was, you know, uh, to uh, the casual observer, something that would have been just specific to state politics, I think it became clear that this was a national event. And, you know, as you heard the passion of the speakers and the intensity of the message, and as you looked around and you saw a national press there, um, you know, I think people came to understand that this is something that was resonating nationwide. And, in fact, you know, with the coverage on Fox News, the coverage on ABC World News Tonight with Charlie Gibson, um, it became clear that this was one of the biggest stories um, of October 16, 2008, and um, as relates to, to, to health freedom and parental rights. So advocacy is effective, and you were mentioning everyday advocates who were involved, not not just uh, people whose names might be more of a household word, but everyday advocates. And, in fact, everyday advocates have just influenced the election of New Jersey Governor-elect Chris Christie. What bearing did what we just talked about have on this? What happened afterwards, and what did Chris Christie promise? Well, you know, I think the most important thing that happened after the rally was nothing, Terry. And, you know, that was significant because there could be no mistaking the message that was sent to Governor Corzine and to our legislators that New Jersey was demanding vaccination choice. And, in fact, Corzine, on my front lawn, when I held a front lawn rally um, last September, he told me, and he told the parents, over 100 people gathered, that he gets more calls and letters on this issue than any other issue except tolls, which is sort of an inside sort of sad joke in New Jersey. But, um, you know, he, 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 he got the message loud and clear, and yet he did not take action to bring parents to the table and engage us meaningfully in better understanding our position, perhaps, or showing that he was going to honor what his constituents were saying. And so, you know, 2009 has been an important year because it's a year of the gubernatorial election. And, you know, we we elected a new governor. And part and parcel, I think, of the parents' disappointment in uh, Governor Corzine's uh, disregard for our message um, as we continued our organizing, we understood that we needed to take Trenton, the Trenton rally, to the next level. And so what that meant was that if they couldn't understand the kind of advocacy that we were engaging in, which really, Terry, was very respectful. You know, there was no, there's no radicalism here. I mean, these are intelligent, devoted, dedicated, um, educated parents that are saying there's something going on here and we need you to pay attention. And because you're not engaging us when we use the process appropriately, then, you know, we're going to have to use the process appropriately to um, elect someone else. And I'm very proud to say that the community really banded together. And so there are, of course, all the parents in New Jersey that helped spread the word through 
um, our parent support groups, our various organizations that we participate in, and just our own personal and social networks. But additionally, we receive support from across the country. And this is something that is happening um, this is, and this is why I believe that what's happening in New Jersey is very significant because it's showing that even though these decisions as relates to, to state mandates for vaccines happen on a state level, this is a nationwide issue and advocacy um, is happening on a national level. And so what, what happened was the, 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 the community mobilized and we came out, we, we, in the weekend before the election, the, the Internet was absolutely buzzing with a tremendous amount of momentum and excitement. And, you know, uh, uh, Chris Christie, to his credit, um, responded to us in several ways. First, what he did was he went on national radio with Don Imus. Okay, can we talk about that when we come back from break? Absolutely. Okay, great. We'll uh, do a, a, a sort of uh, some backtracking and talk about the history of uh, the dialogue with Chris Christie and move forward when we come back from break on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Thanks to our sponsor, Enza Medica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Louisa Bacchus and Mary Holland, and we're talking about how advocacy influenced the election of New Jersey Governor-elect Chris Christie. And Louise, can you give us some history from the beginning of that dialogue? Yes, I can. Um, after the Trenton rally, what happened is that uh, we were we were closing out 2008. It was the holiday season. And we were still getting a lot of questions, particularly after the national press regarding the rally and mandated shots, especially the flu shot. And so we hosted a, a series of open houses across the state where we invited the community to come to bring their questions and concerns. And then for those who were in support of choice, we invited them to call, fax, and uh, sign letters um, to Corzine and, and their legislators, our legislators, uh, requesting choice. 
And so at one of these uh, open houses, um, I, uh, I invited a senior advisor to Chris Christie. Um, he had contacted me indicating that uh, uh, he had some interest in uh, connecting with our community. And so he attended the Princeton Open House, and, you know, I'm not sure exactly what he was expecting to see. It turned out, I think, to have been a good move for us because what he saw was a beautiful home in Princeton um, with the host of one of our uh, dedicated activists in, in New Jersey. But he saw a lot of parents um, who are uh, educated, uh, committed to this issue, and really buzzing with a tremendous amount of excitement. And so, you know, you have this beautiful home, you have a number of, you know, uh, uh, solidly middle class and, and also well, well-heeled parents. So I think he saw that this is not a fringe movement, this is not a, a sort of really disenfranchised kind of uh, ad hoc event. This was something that was well organized, well attended, and, uh, you know, that had uh, a number of parents uh, really concerned. And so, you know, he, he took it in and uh, he said, I, I, wanna, I, want, I want more. I'd like you to present to me your argument. Um, I'd like you to share with me what what's, uh, what are the real issues. And so I invited him to my home, and we were joined. Uh, I invited a couple of colleagues to join me, and uh, we uh, we we got into the issues. And you know, we explained to him what had been happening, what is happening in the autism community, in the vaccination choice community, how there's been a dramatic ramp up in the number of shots and how more and more people are connecting the dots and understanding that the ramp up in chronic autoimmune and neurological illness is perhaps more than we've ever understood linked to a commensurate rise in the number of vaccines given to our children. And so he, I, he said, um, I'm going to set up a meeting. You know, Chris is getting ready to throw his hat in the ring. I'm going to set up a meeting. And and so, you know, Terry, that was really the beginning of it. It was just, it was a, a casual sort of contact that was developed. And then we kept in touch. We kept in touch by email. We would share, we would share news. We would share observations about what was happening. And, of course, Chris was engaged in the very hard work of obtaining his party's um, uh, you know, uh, you know, he needed to win the, uh, the the primary to represent his party in the election, and so what happened was, as we kept in touch, um, and as the election developed, it became clear that this was something that they believed would be important in terms of reaching out to our community and saying, you know, we want Chris Christie to be a candidate who is paying attention to um, segments of the New Jersey population that are perhaps disenfranchised and haven't had um, a voice and representation and a seat at the table. And so he invited uh, about a dozen parents, autism parents and and people representing vaccination choice, to to, to attend a meeting. And uh, we had an hour with him, which in retrospect I understand um, was pretty extraordinary because this was happening during the campaign where every minute is precious, every decision is a choice, who you're spending time with, who you're choosing to react, um, reach out to. And um, we spent a lot of time talking about autism services, of course, but the topic that really got his attention where he spent the most time on was this topic of vaccination choice and wanting to understand, you know, why so much attention in New Jersey, what is going on with New Jersey parents that they're making so much noise. 
And um, so my takeaway from that meeting was that Chris Christie was approaching us and our community as a voting block. You know, mm-hmm. he was he was acknowledging that we had a legitimate issue and that we were very large numbers um, concerned about this. So the vaccination choice constituency earned the right to a seat at the table, and what did Chris Christie say in the primary debate, well, what, primary debate? The, the primary debate, so the, the original debate where he was, uh, d- uh, you know, working to become the, re- the Republican candidate, he, he answered the question during a debate saying parents deserve choice. And so he, he did say from the, the very beginning that he was on the record um, in support of vaccination choice. But, Terry, it wasn't a jumping up and down <laughs> saying parents deserve choice. It wasn't a, you know, sort of a, wow, you can take this all the way home kind of thing. Um, it was a quiet statement, parents deserve choice. And so, you know, my colleagues and I recognize that here's somebody that we could work with but that it was a relationship that needed to be cultivated and that, you know, as with many issues, we need to work to educate and to inform the people who want to lead us. And, you know, it's important to take that time. Absolutely. Well, Louise, do you happen to have um, any of the public statements that Chris Christie made after this? Yes. Yes, I do. I um he, you know, the thing that I was working hardest for was an on-the-record campaign promise from the the the, the, the Christie campaign, and uh, that came a week prior to the election, where he wrote an, a formal statement, and I'll and I'll read it to you, an excerpt from it. Um, he said, "I have met with families affected by autism from across the state, and have been struck by their incredible grace and courage." Many of these families have expressed their concern over New Jersey's highest-in-the-nation vaccine mandates. I stand with them now and will stand with them as their governor in their fight for greater parental involvement in vaccination decisions that affect their children. Ending waste in state government in order to improve care and services for these unique children and adults, as well as giving parents the choice they deserve in their children's health care decisions, will be top priorities. That's a beautiful statement. And then he followed this up with a statement on IMAS, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, you know, you have to consider it's not an accident when a candidate um, in an election of this caliber goes on national radio affiliated with Fox Business, and he said, we need to look at all the different things affecting autism in New Jersey because we have the highest rate in the country, not just the environmental concerns, but vaccinations. Listen, I have real concerns about a lot of these vaccine mandates. I have to tell you, Don, I've sat with an awful lot of parents of children with autism who absolutely believe that it was vaccinations that caused these problems in their children. And then they have additional children, and they are being required to go in there and go through that again when they in their hearts and their minds believe this was a contributing factor to their children's condition. It just gives you chills. That's It's so sensitive for someone to say, why should a parent who's in the position of having one child who they, whose autism they believe was caused by vaccines have to walk, go through this again with another child, be forced to vaccinate them, and watch another child suffer like this? I, I agree with you, Terry. You know, he's a, he's a father of young children. He's got four children. And so... 
you know, there's a lot of cynicism, and, and it's and you know, rightly so. I mean, the political process is definitely flawed, um, and so you know, people will say, oh, he just wanted votes, and of course, politicians want and need votes, but I think it's also important to re- to remember and to try to appeal to our you know our essential humanity, that which 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 connects us, and uh, so I also believe that this is a candidate who is. Uh, is, is relating to what is happening in our community, not just as a, a political candidate, but as a father with young children. Mm. Well, Louise, why do you think that Chris Christie's election was a watershed moment, and how do we really know? Do we have any um, gauges by which we can really tell that this was what drove that election? You know, Terry, here's here's why I believe that we can say that the community made a very important difference in this in this uh, in this election and delivered and delivered the candidacy for Christie. Um, Chris Christie was polling at a slight lead for a good part of the campaign, but what happened was towards the end of the um, the, the, the campaign, um, the Democratic Party really pulled out all the stops. And so, if you look at what uh, President Obama did, which is really extraordinary, the degree and level of campaigning he did for Corzine, he came to the state five times. And he also had Vice President Biden, he had um, Cuomo and RFK Jr., he had really a number of party luminaries um, uh, come to stump for Corzine. So you had that support. You had Governor Corzine with his many millions of dollars, over $30 million of personal funds going to, to his campaign. And, you know, so what happens is that uh, the, the, the Christie's lead closed, and they were in a dead heat as we went into the last week of the campaign. And so, as we know, these candidates are looking very closely at the polls. They're understanding very, they're keeping tabs on what's happening, you know, the pulse of, of the voter in New Jersey, the voters in New Jersey. And the fact that the campaign reached out to our community in the week prior when they were going to this was a very important signal to us. They were acknowledging that we were a large community um, with a real skin in the game in terms of this candidacy and that we're a voting block mm-hmm. um, because you know when you've got one week to go Terry you're not engaging in discretionary activities you are mm-hmm. focusing on what you believe is most leveraged right. and the other thing that I would say is that after I made I sent out my newsletter and my statement of endorsement of Christie and the reasons why outlining what we've talked about today and, and other reasons I received a deluge of emails from parents um, parents that had tears in their eyes, they told me, as they were reading um, his statement. And, you know, that they understood how extraordinary it was. And they said, that's what did it for me. I didn't know who to vote for. I was very apathetic about this election. And you gave me a reason. Um, you gave me a reason to vote for a candidate and to have, have hope that New Jersey is going to, to tackle the issues that are most important, including this very important issue of, of support to the autism community and vaccination choice. Um, with respect to your question about why I believe it's a watershed moment, um, you know, here's the bottom line, and this is the takeaway that I believe very strongly will not be lost on incumbents and political candidates across the country. 
and that is that Americans are organizing for vaccination choice advocacy. We understand that this hat-in-hand sort of, please listen to me, please understand that this happened to my child, this anecdotal type of one-off letter writing and, and reaching out is not connecting with the power structure in our country. And so we have to organize and we have to use the political process. And so candidates and incumbents will see that we're going to vote you out if you don't fulfill campaign promises and if you don't represent the, need, the, represent the needs and demands of your constituency. And further, we're going to support the courageous candidates. We want to encourage these candidates who are willing to be courageous, who understand what's happening, to come forward and who are willing to say, we're going to tackle this. We know these are tough issues. We know that there's no um, easy answers. We know that, that these issues have solutions that are politically inconvenient and not conducive to the expedience of a four-year political cycle. We know that, these, that this, is, um, this is something that's very important for us to be taking on. And so, you know, one state ousted their incumbent governor on Election Day 2009. And a big issue in the campaign was vaccination choice. And so I put this out as a message to all vaccination choice advocates and to the entire autism community. Take this example of what happened in New Jersey and power the message nationwide. Take it to your own state capital. Take it to your own legislators and your own governors and tell them that this happened in New Jersey and it's a shot across the bow. It's coming home to a state near you. Amen. And we'll talk about New York and more about organizing when we come back from break on Voice America. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health & Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the 
complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten, and Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymedica.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Mary Holland and Louisa Bacchus. And Mary, let's go to New York. Please tell us about what's been happening there with vaccine-related issues, the Albany rally, uh, which uh, in- included um, discussions about the H1N1 mandate and beyond. Sure. So I think, as Louise has pointed out, that New Jersey has been at the front of um, childhood vaccinations. New York um, took the position as the first state in the country to have its health commissioner mandate that all healthcare workers receive a seasonal flu vaccine and the H1N1 this fall. So in July, he passed a regulation, didn't go through the legislature, and required that all healthcare workers across the state, it's half a million people, receive uh, both the H1N1 vaccine by November 30th and the seasonal flu vaccine. And he further sort of declared this as an emergency, but then went on to say that the seasonal vaccine should be annual. So it really raised uh, enormous consternation among healthcare workers and among the choice community in general that this is a terrible precedent, that this is, um, there's no basis here for the health commissioner of New York State not having gone through the legislature, not having any national declaration of public emergency, really sort of out on his own saying that a half a million people have to receive a vaccine which does not have any long-term track record at all. And some of the other extraordinary things about this regulation is that unlike childhood vaccination, there was no religious exemption, and there was a health exemption, but it was quite clear that most institutions were going to construe that extremely narrowly. So healthcare workers, to their great credit, and the autism community and other health choice communities mobilized quickly and held, as you uh, mentioned, a large rally in Albany. I believe that was in early October. Several hundred people, probably about 500 people. As in New Jersey, it was a rally that got national press attention, very significant. And from my perspective, I'm a lawyer, so I think absolutely Louise is right. We have to use the political process, and we did. And there were hearings by the New York State Assembly. Uh, I and other people who um, are a part of the vaccination choice and autism community spoke to that. There were 60 people. It was an all-day hearing. It went on for over 12 hours to the health people involved in health and the legislature, but also there was a legal process. And several of the unions and the healthcare workers mobilized. They hired lawyers, and they contested the commissioner's right to issue such a declaration. And critically, from my perspective, on October 16th, an Albany state court judge 
issued a temporary restraining order against the commissioner's regulation. What he did was to decide that based on the evidence before him, it was more likely than not that at a trial it would be found that the commissioner lacked the authority to go to, to issue this regulation. And I believe in response to that temporary restraining order that a judge issued, it was for that reason that the commissioner shortly thereafter suspended the regulation. The, the stated reason for suspending it was that um, the vaccine should be made available first to people at most uh, high risk, which the commissioner and the government in general conceived to be pregnant women and young children. And because there were shortages in New York, the stated reason for suspending it was let that go to the people who need it most. But I think more realistically, the commissioner feared that a court would, at a trial on the merits, decide that there was no basis for this regulation and that it was, in fact, invalid and that the commissioner did not want to set that precedent. Wow. So I think, again, in New York, as in New Jersey, we see an important victory for vaccination choice. We see here that the government backed down, that they thought they were going to lose, and they backed down. Wow, and thank you for giving us the real deal. You know, it's also scary to think that people, you know, the average uh, citizen just at home watching the 11 o'clock news um, is not getting the real story. I think it was significant. As the election in New Jersey, I think it's very significant that New York State went out on a limb and it backed down on vaccination compulsion. Wow. Well, Mary, let's talk about some really basic things. Why are the principles of informed consent, which categorically, I think then, must include comprehensive and truthful information, uh, and why are informed consent and choice so important, not only to children and parents concerned about autism and other childhood diseases that can result, but also to adults and all citizens? Well, I think that the issue here with adults exemplifies the importance of informed consent. I think that here were adults whose jobs were at risk, right? They were going to lose their jobs on November 30th if they didn't take this vaccine. There were no realistic exemptions for any of them. And they stood up and they said, where's the information? Show us the science. There's no evidence that the seasonal vaccine works. We don't know enough about the H1N1. Unfortunately, I think that we are all subject to the um, long-established myth that vaccines are good and that they eradicate vaccines and uh, rather, rather they eradicate disease and that uh, the risks are rare and that they are um, that the that the benefits grossly outweigh the risk that 's the the public myth i don 't think the science really demonstrates that we don 't have that science but that 's what we all believe and I think with respect to children, basically we do not have informed consent so vaccination is not for reasons i think don 't make legal sense or moral sense, but vaccination is not covered by informed consent in the way that surgery or other medication is. It is seen as such an important public health benefit to the community that parents do not have informed consent for vaccination. 
They are given some information generally, and the doctor is thought to be the learned intermediary. The doctor knows best. So if your doctor tells you to get a vaccination, the doctor does not have to go through with you all of the risks and benefits. In addition, the most important compulsion, as Louise pointed out in New Jersey, is school and daycare. The the reality is in daycare and schools around the country, if you have not complied with your state's vaccination mandates, your child will not be permitted in that school. Some people exercise religious exemptions. Some states have philosophical exemptions. Some people exercise very difficult-to-get medical exemptions. But generally, people, the schools say you have to have your kid vaccinated and people vaccinate. So that's the, the sort of important compulsion. Another very important dimension of this, I think, is that there are not typical uh, legal tort liabilities that face vaccine manufacturers as in every other kind of medical product. Vaccination manufacturers have very limited liability, and the dramatic increase in the vaccine schedule has uh, happened at the same time since a law was passed in 1986 that gave vaccine manufacturers extremely um, liberal uh, it gave them very little potential liability for their products. Hmm. Well, Mary, in what ways is what Louise is talking about important to the bigger picture in areas such as abuse of authority and influence and misuse of financial uh, resources, pursuing an agenda where there are billions of dollars at stake? How, how does it affect transparency, integrity? Like that. Well, I think this is a very important question that we have not looked at enough of public corruption. What is driving this vaccination schedule? Is it truly our children's health? Have our representatives, elected representatives and our representative agencies, have they really been looking out for what's best for children? Or have they been driven by industry considerations? Many of the decision makers who advise on vaccine practices, they hold patents or they will be enfranchised. They will go to cushy jobs at vaccine manufacturers after they leave their jobs. The hepatitis B vaccine, which is given in most states on the day of birth, is the day of birth. How could that possibly be motivated by children's health? Hepatitis B is transmissible through sexual contact and through needles, through heroin, that kind of thing. Why is that given on the day of birth? And we now have good science that shows that that puts infants at risk. There's good science in primates and showing children who go into special education are much more likely if they got that hep B birth dose to end up in special education. How could that have been driven by health considerations given this information that we now have? I think we do have to look at what is the greed factor? What is the industry and government collusion factor? Where has there been inadequate transparency here? I think there are a lot of very fundamental questions. Why is there not good science on the long-term health outcomes between vaccinated and unvaccinated children? We don't have any of that, and I think we do have to ask the questions, where did we go wrong? How have we gotten in this very problematic. One in 91 children have autism. That's the CDC's number. One in six children have a learning disability. One in nine children has asthma. How did we get here? We have to begin to ask those questions. Yes, yes. You know, um, in the previous administration, the previous president's administration, if I saw something like the Clear Skies Act, I would say to myself, oh boy, you know, that means that the sky's going to get dirtier. Wouldn't it be something (laughs) if 
vaccines, which you say, you know, are put forth as something to prevent disease, wouldn't it be something if vaccines actually created disease? Well, I think there's there's evidence, you know, I think that there's always in science there's evidence for and against, and I think that we need more science, but I think I, I also believe that we need the political process. If parents today say, we deserve choice, any, everybody agrees any vaccine can potentially cause death or injury. There's no dispute about that. Then why shouldn't we have informed consent as we do for every other medical intervention? It really cannot be that vaccination should be this carve-out. Given the questions, the, the legitimate questions we have today, it should be treated like every other medical intervention. Well said. And to our listeners, we'll be right back at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Dad, can I ask you something? Sure. There's this girl I kind of like. Say no more. You just have to impress her. Okay, but how? Just, I don't know, pick up a lot of heavy things around her. Like what? You know, desks, chairs, people. Grunt if you have to. Grunt? Yeah, be like, oh! Uh. There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Mary Holland and Louisa Bacchus. And, Mary, during the break, you had a good observation. I was asking Louise about how Governor Christie apparently saw vaccination choice as a 
voting block. In a time, as Louise accurately points out, there was no discretion. He came to the vaccination choice movement. He went on Don Imus, who is identified with vaccines and autism being a potential connection. It's interesting that the people in the process themselves are now seeing us as an important constituency. We need to build on that. Absolutely. And Louise, Picking up on what Mary is saying, elaborating upon that, why do you believe the experience in New Jersey is a tremendously positive and instructive event around which our entire community can rally, gain traction, and demand progress? Terry, I think that first and foremost what I want to say is that all of the organizing that that is happening matters. And it all accrues to the collective benefit of our cause and our movement. Even if it's in one state, it is being noticed across the country. I also want to say this because I think that there are a number of people listening. There are a number of people in our community who are very concerned about vaccinations. They're selectively vaccinating. They're not vaccinating anymore. And they do believe that vaccines are implicated in their children's uh, neurological and other disorders. Um, But they have hesitation when talking about this issue in the public domain. And, you know, we can talk at length about the reasons for this, but... What I want to do is just point out that what happened in New Jersey is real affirmation for us and our community that what is happening is real and it matters and that we can be heard. And so I want to encourage people to say the unsayable. And what I mean by that is that if we can't be courageous and step forward and say what's happening and what we see and how it's affected us, then how on earth can we expect our leaders to come forward and do the heavy lifting in terms of the the attacking corruption and and the demanding of transparency in government and in industry? Um, We all know that polite society demands polite conversation, right? I mean, we've all been in these situations, whether it's in our PTA group or Bible study or a cocktail party. We don't talk about these things. We talk about sports or hobbies or the economy, but you don't talk about who you're voting for, and you certainly don't talk about how you might be selectively or not at all vaccinating, because these are topics that have not been sort of appropriately designated as suitable for, for, for polite conversation. And what I want to say is that this is not okay, that if we aren't able to bring these topics up, then we cannot expect to understand different perspectives, to bridge gaps, and to make progress. And so what I want to say is that this movement started with courageous parents and courageous people who came forward. And it's not just parents. It's individuals who are also very concerned about vaccines. Like Mary said, healthcare workers being mandated to get it as a condition of employment. But these people are coming forward and saying, I have a problem with this, and this is why, and please understand me. And we're not... Um, crazy. We're not, you know, lunatics. We're explaining our position. We're doing it in a rational, rational, appropriate process, and we're being heard. And so, you know, it's really easy to point to <clears throat> the high-profile events, right? Like you, you look at the, the the Trenton rally, and parents are probably thinking, well, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do a rally, so you know, we're not going to be able to do this in my state. But what I want to say is the rally is a conclusion of just the day-to-day organizing and ongoing commitment. You start one by one and two by two, and you, you, you organize smaller events. You have talks. You can invite people who are advocates who have more experience speaking. 
And so you can you can begin to actually take what happened in New Jersey and take use it as a template to apply in your states. And so, you know, it's what I know for sure, and I'll say it with me um, first in making this offer, is that I do want to help the community across the country. Even though I live in New Jersey and I desperately want vaccination choice in New Jersey, I want it in every state in this country. And so I believe that with the help of organizations like Autism One, we're going to be taking what happened in New Jersey and making it actionable and, and making it something where it can not only inspire people, but we can take practical lessons from it um, and begin to apply it um, with some very exciting things, Terry, that uh, I think uh, Autism One and others will be, will be sharing more in the, in the weeks and months to come. I, um, I also want to say that I, I spoke at the Albany rally that, uh, that Mary uh, mentioned, and first I want to say it's really important to show up at these events. Um, because what we need most of all is to demonstrate in the most practical way that we represent large numbers of people. And so there are command performance events where if there's any way that you can go or you can send somebody in your place if you're at home taking care of a very ill child, that you do everything you can to show up. But at these events, what you will see is it's not just a couple of parents who are saying, this happened to my children. What you'll see at these events is that they're being organized in such a way that, yes, parents have a platform, but there are professionals now that are absolutely coming forward and putting their reputations, their credentials, their careers on the line to say that there is that this is a movement that is worthy of further inquiry. You have um, many healthcare workers, nurses, and alternative healthcare practitioners, but you also have credentialed medical doctors um, who who are speaking out at these events. You have um, healthcare advocates. You have leading healthcare advocates um, who are well known in this field for decades that are coming forward and speaking out. You know, you have lawyers. Um, who understand the law and speak about it from a, a product liability perspective, from a constitutional law perspective, from many different aspects of the law and how mandatory vaccinations are problematic um, in the legal dom domain. And I think it's important for parents and others to see this, that this is a movement that is gaining traction, and it's gaining traction not just within the community of parents who have to vaccinate their children, but that professionals are seeing this as it applies for their various disciplines. Mm -hmm. and, when a, and when a candidate is interested, when a leading candidate is interested, that also gives more of an opportunity for exposure of the issues. Exactly. And, you know, Terry, that is something that I really want to, to emphasize because politics are viewed in a way, you know, I was sort of saying we have to say the unsayable. Politics are sort of viewed as something that, you know, you just don't talk about it. And, you know, we, we cannot fall into that trap because our community seeks to obtain clout and influence and to advance our goals. And the political process is a tool. And if you look at the political process, it, it was designed originally as a mechanism by which communities such as ours actually had a chance to legitimately participate in it and influence outcomes. And so 
you know, somehow I feel like uh, sometimes people think, oh, you know, what we did was unseemly. You know, it's like you you trade, you know, your vote for a, a candidate's support of, of your movement. Well, you know what? That is how it works. That is absolutely how the system works, that you elect people who represent your views. <laughs> and it's really as simple as that. You know, it's um, some people were very upset that I endorsed a Republican Party candidate. You know, they, they are Democrats, they're lifelong Democrats, and they had a, a lot of problem with this. And so I want to say that I am party neutral, and many of the people I work with are party neutral. They vote based on issues and leadership, and, you know, they understand the principle of issue advocacy. You ask a candidate, whoever, a question, whoever gives the best an answer obtains our support, regardless mm -hmm. of party. And Louise and Mary, where can listeners look for more information? Well, they can go to my website, lifehealthchoices.com. And they can go to the Autism One website and look up the Elizabeth Burt Center for Autism Law and Advocacy. Well, ladies, thank you so much for a rousing, empowering, and inspirational discussion. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much, Terry. To our listeners, please say hi to Louise and Mary next May at the Autism One Conference, May 24th to 30th in Chicago, where they'll be presenting www.autismone.org. Details to be posted soon. Next week, my guest will be Chef Wendell. Thank you to this program sponsor, Enzymedica, and to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.